He's got a lifetime ban now on the number of stadium battles <laughs> on doing this. Um, he wants to share, he longs to share in his glorious moments, to be present, to be there, part of the team. But as soon as he's spotted, he is out. And as we look at Psalm 24 this morning, how much more that question applies to us? Do we have any rights to go into the presence of God? Can you come before him? You raise the question, why would you even want to go into God's presence? Well, let me tell you why we should want to be in God's presence. It's what we were made for. We were made to enjoy him, to be in his presence. Remember in Genesis, he watered us in the garden and in heaven. We will be in his presence. That's where we were going to be for eternity, enjoying his presence, God's presence. It's what we're searching for with our lives. So the question is, can we boldly enter God's presence? Can you do it? Who has the right to walk into God's presence for you? Remember who the Lord is? Remember who we are? In Psalm 24, it arrests us, it stops us short, and says, don't presume on this. Don't think of it, because if you're a believer this morning, you might say, yeah, I can, I can go into God's presence. But by what right do you say that? And Psalm 24, it's going to give us perspective this morning. It's going to help us get our minds right. It's going to give us a reality check. And then it's going to give us comfort as we meet the Lord, the King of glory. And as we go through this psalm this morning, I want you to think of it as a soundtrack. See, the soundtrack for any good film, it gives you a sense of what's happening before it happens. You know that if you watched a, a scary film or a thriller, the music adds so much. If you turn off the soundtrack, so much of the communication is just lost. The music builds the tension, doesn't it? Now, what I want to do this morning is to turn on the soundtrack. Instead of uh, three points this morning, we are going to have three times this psalm has been sung. Three times this psalm has been the soundtrack to some of the most important moments in the Bible as we look to understand what it means. So let's start with track one, David's version, the original version, Psalm 24. This song is first turned on when David brings the ark into Jerusalem. David was a thousand years before Jesus. I want you to picture it. The camera turns on. King David is bringing the ark into Jerusalem. The ark is a symbol of God's presence with his people. And this, this is the highlight of David's career. This is arguably the build-up of the entire Bible up until this point in the Old Testament. And they are taking the ark, God's presence, up to the top of the hill, at last to the place that God had instructed them to. And as the ark comes up into Jerusalem, up to the temple, which is set on that, it is literally ascending, it is going up. And we're following the ark as it's carried out. And this soundtrack is being bellowed out. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. The entire earth, everything in it, is under his ownership. From mountains to rivers, to your houses, to your gardens, to your wallet, to what is in your pocket right now. See, his ownership extends beyond the vastness of creation and reaches down to the core of our existence. And we can bring this closer to home. It's not just everything that belongs to God, but everyone. Every single person who has walked this earth belongs to him. No one exists independently. 
identity within the Lord. Why? Because he is the foundation of everything. Everything is his. He's not just a creator. He is the originator. The architect of existence. If you think of a songwriter who pens a tune, or a baker who bakes a loaf of bread, they do it from pre-made things, from pre-made notes, from ingredients in a cupboard. But God, he fashions everything out of nothing. This world, this awe-inspiring cosmos, it's all his canvas. Try to just grasp the enormity of this. He conceived galaxies and the intricacies beyond our comprehension. Ponder the complexities of our bodies alone, and then consider the, the entirety of creation. Every little bit, from the tiniest particle to the grandest galaxy, it bears his signature. It is this magnificent masterpiece, and he's a master behind it. But before we get lost in the awe-inspiring magnificence of his creation, never mind his presence, let's come back for a moment, because remember, we are on this journey with David, carrying the ark into Jerusalem. The melody and words of this sound, they are filling the air, the singing this song as the ark progresses. There's a pause. There's a collective catch of breath. In the face of such divine greatness, the question lingers. Who can really stand before this almighty God? Consider verse 3. It captures David's thought. Who indeed can approach the presence of the Lord? David had attempted to bring the ark in before it failed, and no doubt this was really fresh in his mind. You can read of it in 2 Samuel 6. The ark of God was being transported on a wagon. A departure from God's instructions about how to move it. They were treating God's presence with just a casualness, with an informality. The ox that was pulling it along, it stumbles. A man reaches out to stop the ark from crashing to the floor. The consequence is his life. He drops down there. It's a clear reminder that our God must not be approached lightly, but with reverence, with, with a godly fear. So David's heart comes in. There must be a mixture between excitement and, and fear. We're to feel the weight of this question. Can we, with our human limitations, can we stand in the presence of the Holy God? Or will we die? It's a sobering reality check. This isn't a simple encounter. It's the meeting of us, the finite, with God, the divine. See, where God, his sin cannot meet with holiness, just as bleach repels germs, God's purity rejects anything. So, David spells out his four standards for being in God's presence. The one who has clean hands, as Josh showed us this morning with an excessive amount of alcohol hand job, <laughs> is to be our outward actions. Our hands are involved in everything that we do. What we buy, what we sell, what we turn on, what we turn off, what we text, what we scroll, what we click on. And David is asking, are your hands clean? Are your outward actions godly? The second standard, it takes it deeper. It says, yeah, you, you may think your hands are fairly clean, but here's the second standard, the standing in his presence. The one who has a pure heart. See, we may be able to look good on the outside, we may look pure on the outside, but what about our hearts? What if our hearts were laid bare? What about thoughts and motives would broadcast the world? David's asking, do any of us have a clean heart? I'll leave 
need to answer that question for yourself. But there's more. Who can stand in the presence of God? Well, it's the one who does not trust an idol or swear by a false god. The one who is totally for the Lord, who puts nothing upon him, nothing any value more than him. Who can ascend the mount of the Lord? Who can stand before the Lord? No one. No one. No one can say, first of all, that's completely true of me. So what hope is there? And let's look at verse 5 and see what David's hope is. He will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from their God, their Savior. See, David knew that he was a sinner, but he also knew the Lord. See, in this verse, he knew the Lord who is his Savior, and that's vital. The Lord must save. If we are to have any hope of coming to him, he must save. We can't pause there for too long, remember, because we're following the procession. The soundtrack is happening and in the background. There's a tone change. The procession has reached the temple, and the music on the soundtrack changes. The volume rises. More instruments join in. The background, the sounds fill out, and it overpowers all our senses as it reaches this crescendo. And this brings out from the temple. Lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is he? This King of glory? The Lord Almighty. He is the king of the glorious king has arrived. Now we think of glory as winning a match. We think of glory as good weather. Oh, is the weather glorious outside? That's a very English thing. Sorry if you're not from England, we go with it. But glory in our minds is fading, is inconsistent. The king of glory, his glory is solid. It is weighty. It's as if all the rest of us are shadows, and he alone is the real thing. In the Bible, glory is substantial and solid and weighty. So as this king of glory comes in, and he comes to the gate, as he approaches the presence of God, that we said that no one can enter, but as this king of glory comes, something special happens. The gates open. This glorious king has the right to go into the temple. These massive gates, these ancient doors, they cannot stay shut before him. But who is this king? Who can stand in the Lord's presence? There's no one who can do that. Actually, there's only one. Verse 7 says, it's the king of glory. Who is he? Well, here's the puzzle. The king of glory is the Lord himself. It's the Lord that can stand in the Lord's presence. The Lord's strong and mighty. The word in your Bibles there is all in capitals. And that means it's the name Yahweh, the covenant Lord, the Lord who is in relationship with his people, who brought them for himself, who rescued them. The Lord, strong and mighty, he can enter. He's mighty in battle. There's nothing weak or pathetic about him. He is the Lord Almighty, the Lord of heaven's armies, and he ascends the mountain to stand before the Lord. Remember, this is being sung as the ark approaches. I think there would be some scratching of heads about these words. Who is the king of glory? Is he a human king? Is he, is he man? Is he God? And as Psalm 24 continues, as they sing it, they don't know the answer to that question, who is the king of glory? But they do know that the Lord is king, 
They know how great he is and how holy he is. But he leaves them uncomfortable because can they stand in God's presence? Can they come before him? Left with a question at the end of Psalm 24. Can we stand in the presence of our Creator, the owner, our King, the Lord God Almighty, the King of glory? Can you stand before Him? During COVID, um, Sarah and I did lots of jigsaws. I really am that exciting. Um, and as we do the jigsaws, we don't often find, usually because I drop the pieces, there's a piece missing. It's so infuriating, it messes with your system to find that one piece of jigsaw missing. You've done 999 pieces and one piece is missing. Do you know the missing piece of Psalm 24? See, to complete this jigsaw, to complete this psalm, you need Jesus. The psalm isn't just the soundtrack of David entering Jerusalem. It's the soundtrack too for when someone else entered Jerusalem. It's the soundtrack for when Jesus Entered Jerusalem. So we get the second track this morning. This is Jesus' remix version. So come with me. We're leaving behind David's den. We're coming to a day a thousand years after the psalm is written. It's a Sunday in spring, about 2,000 years ago. And it's five days before Jesus was crucified. See, Psalm 24 was sung on the day when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, Palm Sunday. Think about it for a moment. Every Sunday, the first day of the week, this psalm was sung in the temple. Just think about it. As Jesus rode into Jerusalem that day, maybe that very hour, I don't know what time the choir would get singing, the temple choir was singing as Jesus rode into Jerusalem. And this is what we were singing. Lift up your heads, you gates, be lifted up, you ancient gods, the king of glory may come in. They sang better than they knew, didn't they? If only they knew who was coming to Jerusalem. No coincidence that Psalm 24 was sung as Jesus came in. Because here's the reality that underpins Psalm 24. Jesus Christ is the King of glory. See, Jesus rode into Jerusalem, not as a local celebrity. He rode into Jerusalem as the creator, the owner of the world. The earth is his and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. John's Gospel puts it this way. Through Jesus, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Jesus Christ is your creator, and you belong to him because he made you. Now, you may think that sounds terrible to belong to someone. It sounds terrible to belong to Jesus. I want to be independent. I want to be my own person. But as these verses declare, we belong to him. We can know, truly know, that we are loved. There is no ascendant, no one more trustworthy than with Jesus Christ and by him. Many of you will have seen the film uh, Toy Story with um, the adventures. Here is Woody. He is the cowboy hero of our adventures. And he goes on all sorts of different adventures. Clearly the first film is the best, there will be no disagreement there. But Woody in the first film, he has a difficult situation. His friends desert him, he's broken his best mate's arm, he's in a bad guy's room, and he's despairing. He lacks all comfort. So what does he do? Well, he sits down and he looks at the sole of his foot. And what does he see there? He sees his owner's name, Andy. See, he knows who he is. He's reminded who he is. He's a toy. He can go and conquer the world of toy room. He can do all these great things. It's a comfort to him. It reassures him. Andy's going to come and get me. 
That is a great comfort to money, but how much more should it be comfort to us that we belong to Christ? He has written his name not on the sole of your foot, but on your soul. Do you need to hear that this morning? You belong to Christ. Your life is not out of control. It is not lived unnoticed in the shadows. If you're facing trials and difficulties, here's the truth. You belong to Jesus. He made you. He loves you enough to die for you. So you don't need to fear. You are safe with him this morning. Let's return to our psalm because verse 3, we meet this creator coming into Jerusalem. And then the song, remember, it's being sung from the Temple Mount. As Jesus comes into Jerusalem, the question is asked, who may ascend the Mount of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? What did Jesus do when he entered Jerusalem? Jesus went straight up into the temple because who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Jesus. Who can stand in his holy place? Jesus. He has clean heart. He has a pure heart. His heart is totally given over to the Lord. Christ can stand in the presence of the Lord by right, and he is the only one in the entire history of humanity that can. Because of his purity, because of his cleanliness. So look at verse 5. This is what is due to Jesus Christ. As he comes before the Lord, he will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God his Savior. Jesus is the one who by rights receives blessing and vindication from God. Vindication is a legal term. It simply means to be declared right before God. Jesus was in the right before God. So it's fitting that as the Lord Jesus Christ made his way to the temple, as he ascended the mountain, this soundtrack was played. Lift up your heads, you gates, be lifted up your ancient doors, so the King of glory may come in. The King of glory, Jesus Christ, is coming. And he stands as this immense figure, encompassing all of time, as he is the rightful King of all. He is the creator, the owner. He is strong and mighty. He is the glorious one. He is the Lord God Almighty. He holds the oceans and nations in his hand. He can bring the nations to nothing. He is Yahweh in Canada, the Lord made flesh. He is Jesus Christ, the King of glory. So as he comes into Jerusalem, Jerusalem must receive their King. Because there is no one with his strength, there is no one with his might, there is no one with his authority, and he is the King of glory, he is good. And what does he use his might for? How does Jesus exert his power and strength? What battle does he fight? What battle does he win? And he uses his might this. Paul puts it like this in Colossians 2. Jesus has taken away our sin, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Jesus uses his might for this reason. For you. For me. For us to triumph over sin, death, and Satan. In his might and power, he takes himself to the cross. The Lord of glory was crucified. Jesus uses his power to save, to win the victory that reverberates through the entire history. And that leads us to our final track this morning, the third time this song is sung. The following Sunday, after Jesus entered Jerusalem, the soundtrack was played again. The next Sunday, once again, the choir was singing Psalm 24. You know what Jesus did that Sunday? The picture softly said, wait, doesn't it? It was resurrection day. 
the day that Jesus rose from the tomb. Think about that for a moment. As Jesus rose from the tomb, King of glory, defeating sin, death, and Satan, these words were ringing out from the temple. Lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come. Who is the King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates, lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is he? The King of glory, the Lord Almighty. He is the King of glory. See, Jesus was raised from the dead, victorious over death, never to die again. And he ascended to the Father, and right now, as I speak, he sits enthroned in heaven. He doesn't have to stand, because his work is done. He sits on the throne, Here's the reality, the Lord Jesus Christ is also the King of glory. And so you and I are safe to enter his presence. What does this mean for us today? To draw it to a close, how does this sound speaking to our lives? Well, naturally, we are not those who have clean hands and pure hearts. We trust all sorts of different things. Naturally, our sin pollutes us like raw sewage pollutes a glass of drinking water. We cannot stand in God's presence, the presence we were made for. Yet because of Jesus Christ, we can stand. We can enter into his presence. We can go before the Lord. And that's because Jesus, the one who did have clean hands, the one who did have a pure heart, took our sin on himself and paid the price for you and me. Jesus does not say to you today, are you good enough? He says to you and me, Know that you are not, but that I have paid your price. I have died your death, and you belong to me. And no one will take you from my hand. You are worthy because I have made you worthy, he says. Whatever your past, whatever has gone before, and that is a great truth. Jesus takes our sin, and in a great swap, he clothes you with his righteousness, and when you trust him, we can stand in his presence. The Lord, the God Almighty, the King of glory, we can stand before him. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never trusted Jesus. He's a minor role in your life. Maybe you made hard commitments to him in the past. Well, here's the truth from Psalm 24. Jesus Christ is the King of glory. And he offers for you to stand in the presence of God. In perfect joy forever. To do what you were made for. And what does he call you to do? It's in verse 6. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face. He calls you to seek him, to seek his face. There is nothing more important to do about life than seeking Jesus. The psalm points us upward and outward. Who is the Lord as we meet him in Psalm 24? He is the owner and creator of all things. He is the holy God who says, He is the King, the Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, this psalm should shape our lives this week. We shouldn't let it underestimate Jesus. We shouldn't ever relegate him to a minor role. Life may seem functional without him, but remember, he's not weak or irrelevant. He is our rightful owner, the one who crafted you and redeemed you with his blood. Seek his face. Don't disregard his significance or power as that leads to wandering away from him. Read Psalm 24 this week. Let it change you. Let it change your outlook and find comfort. 
amidst uncertainty and fear. Remember, you belong to the King of glory. Let his strength replenish your fears. Seek his face. He is trustworthy. He made a way for you to come into God's presence, and there is nothing left to prove. Enjoy him. Enjoy his grace. Bring those longings of your heart to him. Trust him with all that you are. We started with our mate Carl. Carl, who was sneaking onto pictures where he wasn't allowed, he was longing to be in the presence of glory, and instead he was being escorted off with lifetime bans for sickness. One day, every person will stand before our God in the presence of Him, the creator of the universe, and we will be judged. If you trust Jesus, you need not fear of being an imposter like Carl. Jesus has brought you into the presence of God and said, because of my blood, you can stand. And that is a truth that we get to draw from here today. We are going to have a moment just to reflect on that. The band's going to have a movie for you and Peter's in the present moment. Just take a moment, reflect on those truths, let them sink in you, because they're truths that you and I, we need to hear today, we need to hear tomorrow, and we need to hear when life is manic and when life is